Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You guys all can be seated. I'm sore from surfing. Um, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. What's so cool about that song, but what is so not cool about that song, is that you better be good. Or what not? What will happen if you're not good? No presents. Cole. So you're speaking from experience, aren't you? He said it. I said, what happens if you're not good? Cole. That came out fast, bro. That came out really quick. <laughs> Folks, we all sing that song and... It, it, you're singing that song in your Christian walk. What happens is we believe God gives gifts based upon what we do. You look at pastors, you look at good communicators, you go, oh, they're doing so much, therefore God gave them that. That's, that's a lie. Pick up your bulletins, please. Look at the front of that scripture. Look at the front of that scripture. And you've got to come down to about right here according to the grace given to each of us folks this prophecy this teaching this serving this giving this leading these are the grace gifts and what does the word grace mean grace grace is getting something you don't deserve. So that song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, does not work for Christianity. It doesn't, but all of us live that way. These are the grace gifts given to you and to me, not based upon who we are, our social economic status, our intellect, none of that. These are graced gifts. And Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that before God laid the foundation of what we're seeing, He knew you and me. I believe He knew the gifts given to us back then. These are the grace gifts. And we've been working through these gifts. See, we've been working through the book of Romans for probably about a year now. It's a deep, thick, heavy, meat and potatoes books. 
And if you have been with us for the past six weeks, this you should memorize this verse. We literally, the gal that prints our bulletins, she usually gets scripture from me on Fridays. The last six Fridays, she'd be like, the same as last week, the same as last week, the same as last week, the same as... I said, yep, yep, yep. Why? Because we're going through this list of gifts. Right? And we learned about prophecy. Prophecy is truth-telling. I went hiking with a uh, high school group, right? And uh, we got to this place on the mountain where it's about an hour from the summit. And the guy leading it, there was one uh, one kid who wasn't as quick as the others, uh, said to me, hey, this kid really wants the summit, which I was pumped that he did. And they said, hey, uh, do you can you um, go ahead with this kid? And I said, sure. And I got to talking with this kid, and I said, hey, what grade are you going into? And he's like... Uh, maybe a junior. I don't know yet. I said, really? He goes, yeah, they might make me do sophomore year again. I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, what happened? He's like, well, I uh, didn't do a couple assignments. I'm like, oh, well, why didn't you do a couple assignments? Because ah, the teacher's lame. I was like, well, okay, well, why does that mean you didn't do assignments? He's like, I just can't stand it. You know, this, this teacher, all they do is just gossip and flirt with the older boys. That's all they do. I just can't stand it. And what was interesting about it is the more I listened to this kid talk, the more I realized this this kid, this kid who actually they say struggles with speech and struggles, he stutters a lot, he's a truth teller. When I listen to him, you can tell he's the kid that sits in the back observing, and then he truth tells. And what's the riot was I told the kid, I was like, dude, you could be a really good preacher someday. And he spun around and was like, what? Because <laughs> the whole day was a riot, you know, because they would drop the F-bomb and they'd be like, dude, the minister is on this trip with us, bro. Or like they'd say something, like, dude, reverence here, reverence here, you know, reverend alert, reverend alert. And prophecy is not so much just foretelling that's what we we all want about prophecy is the foretelling part but it's also forthtelling truth telling that's prophecy and god has given that to people and if you misuse that you are annoying you sound like a car alarm that never goes off okay or never stops going off that's prophecy you know and we go down through them. There's, there's, there's encouraging. Man, do I love that one. There's serving. I love those people that have that gift too. But we learn that encouraging and serving, when they're done on our own power, burn out wicked fast. Really fast. Those that are embittered and don't come to church anymore, they probably had the gift of service. And they gave 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 and, they gave and one day they just snapped and said, I ain't coming back here again. Could be encouragers too. And what I love last week, Drew spoke on generosity. And what I loved about Drew's chat about generosity, he said this. He said, let generosity be your default. And he said, you know, he struggles with when he comes to a, a panhandler or somebody, he goes, ah, I don't know if I really want to give them cash. Because he starts going, ah, they're going to use it on drugs. They're going to use it on, you know, uh, beer. They're going to misuse this. And Drew said, you know, I got to praying about that, thinking about that. He goes, I don't think I'm going to get to heaven someday. And God's going to be like, you did a good job. You played judge and jury on everybody, and you figured out how not to give your money away. Good for you. No, he's going to say, hey, you risked being taken advantage of. 
Isn't that grace? It's, it's the scandal of grace. <laughs> Every one of you and me misuse grace. And so, so, so Drew challenged us saying, let our default be generosity and risk being taken advantage of. Risk it. And let God deal with the rest. Now, he wasn't saying just go blindly give, not being wise, no. But he said, do not let the, 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 don't let wisdom or, or the, or the thinking you're being wise be your justification to not live generously. Don't, don't do that. My favorite analogy is so funny. Last week he said, he said, Ron Corey, that's my father, he said, Ron Corey is an extremely generous person. He goes, and his son Marcus knows that. And he goes, Marcus is really good at giving away his dad's generosity. <laughs> and it's so true. If any one of my friends are within 20, 30 miles of my father, I'll give them, their, I'll give them my dad's number and be like, dude, hit my dad up, he'll take you out to lunch. And these people my dad doesn't even know be like, dude, Marcus said you'd take me out to lunch. And dad's like, yeah, yeah, meet me at this place over here. We'll have a ham hoagie. You know? For you, those of you that are not from Maine, ham hoagie, you need to get one. Go get a can of Moxie, some Humpty Dumpty all dressed up, and a ham hoagie. These Mainers are over here laughing. Everyone else is like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Right? And, and what Drew said was this. He goes, listen. Your heavenly father is like Marcus's dad. He is a generous father. And he's given you the authority and the right to go and give away his generosity. He wants you to be. He wants you to tell your friends, my, my dad's generous. My dad's generous. So funny. We had a family reunion last Sunday, and I we were sitting after the family reunion having an ice cream with my parents, and I told my parents that analogy that my that, that Drew had used, that I am really good at giving away dad's generosity. And I'm not kidding you. My mom's like ice cream came out of her mouth. Sorry. She's like, he knows you so well. She goes, yeah, you've been giving your dad stuff away since you were born. And so today we come to leadership. Today we come to leadership. And a lot of times when it comes to leadership, we have a couple different uh, responses or a couple different feelings towards leadership. Either A, we're gunning for it. We want it. So we actively, aggressively go after it. Right? Or B, right, we do the fall to me only thing. Oh, no, I'm not a leader. Nah. Uh-uh, no. But all the time you're like, oh, yeah, people follow me. Hey, listen to my, I'm, you know that person that like drops the, like the wisdom bomb all the time, but then they know they do it. They're like, yeah, everyone thinks I'm wise, you know, or then there's the opposite. There's the people like, uh-uh, you can't make me leader. No way. And they avoid leadership at all costs. Those are like our three, you know, there's like the power hungry leader person, right? I, I am in that court. Man, I got so humiliated in college. Right? I came from this little tiny western town in Maine where I was the quarterback. I was the president of the class. Whenever there was a public speech to be made, I made it. I was up front in the spotlight all the time, and I loved it. Then I went to college thinking, oh, they must know who I am. They must obviously know that I'm supposed to be in the spotlight. And so I came onto my college campus like, yeah, I'll be an RA. Yeah, I'll lead that group. Yeah, I'll give a speech. <laughs> Didn't get chosen for an RA. 
first thing I ever got denied for. Didn't even let on to any of the worship teams to play my guitar and sing. They're like, nope. And then what was even the, like the biggest blow? They even denied me to be on the men's ministry. I'm like, what? And it was the Lord at work. It had nothing to do with my college. It was the Holy Spirit at work. He was teaching me to play second fiddle. He was teaching me to lead without the title. You know? To lead without all of the recognition. So that might be you. You might be that guy, that gal that's hungry for power, that wants to be the leader always. Or you might be the one that's doing the whole false humility thing, where you know you're leading everything, but you never want to give your cover away because you want to be cool. You know who you are, and don't make fun of me because I take the power. You get all wound up because he just didn't get to it first. And then there's a bunch of you here that avoid leadership at all cost. And you avoid it because you don't want the responsibility. You avoid it because you don't want the headache. You avoid it because you don't want to do it. So those are kind of the three areas with leadership. With leadership. Leadership is this. Leadership is a small stool and a small bit of the spotlight so that others may watch your example. That's leadership. God calls out leaders and he gives them a small stool and he gives them a piece of the spotlight so that others may watch their example. But what happens? What happens is people like me take that small stool and we think it's huge. And we're like, yes, I'm the leader. I want everyone to follow me. And just as soon as someone doesn't follow me, I get all wound up. Right? Or maybe you're the opposite and you just ignore the stool, ignore the spotlight, and you keep pushing it away. Don't judge me. Your move is just as selfish. You hear what I just said? Don't judge me for wanting a bigger stool and wanting more of the spotlight. You're not justified in avoiding the stool and avoiding the spotlight. Both are selfish. Both are. Leadership is a small stool, it's a small piece of the spotlight that's given by God. There is a story in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. If you want some notes, put that down. Chapter 13, if you want to see a unique story about leadership. The Israelites had come out of Egypt. They had seen God do miraculous things. We're talking about the plagues, folks. The plagues! They had seen cattle die and the Nile turn to blood. They had seen the Egyptians lose their firstborn and a wailing and a screaming from a city that could just, just blood-curdling screams. They had seen this God part the Red Sea and then swallow the horse and the rider into the Red Sea. They had seen manna come from heaven and quail come out to feed them in the desert. They had seen a pillar of cloud of smoke by day and a fire by night. These people had witnessed unbelievable things. And now they're on the threshold of the promised land. And out of two million plus people, Moses steps up and says, I will choose twelve that are leaders among our people. We're talking these are twelve picked out of over two million. Twelve! Do you know what that's like? That's like being an Olympic downhill skier. Do you realize how hard it is to become an Olympic alpine skier? They take about 12 from the men's alpine team. 
Do you realize how many youth skiing programs there are in America? Hundreds of thousands of kids are skiing as little kids in race programs. Only about 30 of them, of, of men and of women, 30 of each, will make the U.S. ski team out of those hundreds of thousands. And you ready for this? Even when you make the U.S. ski team, only about 12 of those 30 guys and 12 of those 30 girls are going to go to the Olympics. Talking about narrow margins, huh? I w- it ain't like that in football. I got friends that are in the 200s greatest skiers in America right now. The 200th greatest skier. They're not on the U.S. ski team. If you were the 200th greatest baseball player in America right now, you'd be on a team. You'd be making million dollars. You're the 200th best skier in America, and you are not on the U.S. ski team. You're not even skiing for a D1 college. Alpine skiing is a very narrow top. Very narrow top. I got friends that are in the top 100 that aren't even on the U.S. ski team. You're in the top 100 football players in America? You better believe you're on an NFL team. Okay? So when Moses picked 12 people, 12 men, out of over 2 million, you gotta, you better believe that those 12 boys were some leaders. And he said, here's what we're going to do. We're on the threshold of the promised land. The whole reason why God brought us out of Egypt. Back to our homeland. He said, you 12 are going to go in. You're going to look at the people. You're going to look at their cities. You're going to get a report. You're going to look at their land. Their, how, you know, can we farm it? How's it going in there? And you come back and give us a report. And if you know the story, what happened? The 12 went in. I bet their hearts were pumping. Oh, we're finally here. We're finally here. And I got picked out of 2 million. I'm the man. I'm going to take these people down. And they go into the promised land. And they go. And they, and they actually, not only do they go, they go deep. They go way into this thing. And they even steal produce. Right? So these guys were brave. But what happens when they get in there? They look around. They're like, whoa. These people are strong. And these people have cities that are fortified with walls. And you know what? Here's the thing. Where did those people just come from? They had just spent time, a lot of time, in the middle of nowhere. Wilderness, desert, nothing. And then they came into a civilized world. And they're thinking to themselves, we are two million vagabonds that live in the desert. No way we're taking these people who know this hill country that have towns that are all fortified with walls and have actual soldiers and stuff. No way. And so they come back to the people and 10 of them report, not happening, we ain't going in there, we're going to get our butts kicked. And two said what? No, 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 are you crazy? Don't listen to these boneheads. We got Yahweh. We got God. We took on Pharaoh. Pharaoh at that time was the greatest leader, the biggest, dominant, most baddest leader in the world at the time. We kicked his butt. You guys are scared of these bunch of hillbillies? That's what they were. They were hill country people. It was almost like we went into Maine and saw a bunch of hillbillies. We're like, whoa. Have you seen those guys? I know what they're doing. That's what happened. They came out of the hills and said, we can't take those hillbillies. They're from Tennessee. And the two said, are you guys crazy? Oh, Tennessee already left. Never mind. 
They said, oh, they're still back there. Hi, Tennessee. They said, you know, the two, Caleb and Joshua, said, are you guys nuts? Our God parted the Red Sea. You forget that? That's just a couple miles back. But that's leadership. And I don't care who you are today. Every single one of you are a leader in one way or another. Either you have kids. You have a job. You have a social life. You are leading something. And here's the thing. Are you going to lead out of fear? Or are you going to lead out of faith? And 10 of the 12 led out of fear. And guess what fear does? It spreads rapidly. Fear is a disease that spreads rapidly. Faith doesn't. Faith is like exercise. It's really hard. No one wants to do it. I don't blame you. Getting off that couch is step number one. That's rough. And those boys were like, Joshua and Caleb were like, No! What are you guys doing? And the other ten said, No, we can never take them. And what happened? The Bible says that fear spread across the two million people from those ten guys. Just ten. Just ten. Fear spread across two million people. And they said, We're not going to go in. God was so ticked off. He said, Okay, you bunch of bums. We're starting over again. I am going to hit the reset button. I'm going to kill you all. And then I'm going to raise up a new group of people that will go and actually take the land I have for my people. And what I love about Moses, Moses is like, no, 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 God, stop, 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 no, 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 please don't, please don't. And what I love about Moses, he's just like my kids. Have you ever noticed your kids come up with an argument that they try to like, they're trying to sell you something. And what's funny is they've learned that from me. But that's what Moses does. Moses goes, God, don't roof, don't, don't, don't kill us, because then the rest of the world will know that you took your people out of Egypt just to kill them. He turned it back on God. He said, No, no, no. You want your name to be good, so don't, don't do that. Isn't that crazy? He had the audacity to do that to God. That is, some, that that's that's some guts, man. And what's awesome? God said, Okay, but here's the deal. You're gonna go back into the woods for forty years. You're going to lose about 100,000 men from a disease. You're going to lose those 10 that went in spread fear. They're done. Okay? And Moses, you ain't seen the promised land. And anybody older than 20, except for Joshua and Caleb, the rest of you ain't seen it either. Go take another lap. That's what he said. Did your gym teacher ever tell you that? Did your PE teacher? Take another lap. Did your coach ever tell you that? Take another lap. I remember when we were playing high school football, and if my coach was not getting through our thick skulls, right, we'd be doing this play, and we just weren't paying attention, we weren't doing it, he'd get so frustrated, he'd throw his clipboard down, take another lap, run, run to the top of the hill and back, we'd have to run to this hill and touch this thing and come back. Any of you guys in the military, that happened to you too, got someone trying to teach you something with your, you know, something or whatever, and you're not getting it, or your whole troop's not getting it, you know, and your leader says, take another lap, run, just go, just go. And that's what God did. God was sitting there. He was like, oh, my word, guys. All right, take another lap. Take another lap. Why? Because of bad leadership. Bad leadership. Guys, leading is crazy. It's huge responsibility. Ten. Count them. Fingers. Ten. Ten bad leaders disrupted over two million people. Two million 
and made them go back to the desert for 40 years. Leadership is a scary place. But if you avoid it, to try to avoid that, that's not good either. You are all leaders, everyone sitting here. And leadership is best when it is under the guidance and under the leading of our Heavenly Father by the power of His Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the gifts. We thank you that they're given to us by grace, not of any work that we've done, not of any skill that we possess, not by any family that we've been part of, not by any resources that we have, that these gifts of prophecy and teaching and encouraging and serving and leadership, they're given to us, God, by the grace. Grace. None of us deserve them. So, Lord, apparently you know what you're doing. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help us to submit, get out of your way, and let you do your work through us? This gift of leadership, God, is scary. It's scary, but Lord, we watched you work in Abraham's life. And God, you gave Abraham the gift of faith. You told him something, and he did it. Abraham believed God. I have a hard time believing sometimes. Would you give me the gift of faith like you gave Abraham? God and Moses had unbelievable patience with his people. He had the gift of patience. Would you give us the gift of patience that are in leadership, especially those that are having children? Help us to have patience. Lord, Lord, you gave David the gift of passion. You said he was a man after your own heart. He was a passionate man. And Lord, you gave him the gift of transparency. He was very vulnerable with his people. Would you give us... God, by the power of your Holy Spirit that are in leadership, transparency, and the power to be vulnerable with our people. Oh, and God, you gave your Son, Jesus, the greatest gift of leadership of all, and that was to lay down his life, not even for a brother, not even for a friend. Jesus, you laid down your life for enemies. God, that's a beautiful gift of leadership. Oh, give us the grace of your Son, God, that we might lay our lives down as leadership, that we might sacrifice maybe our comfort, our time, our resources, our money, that we might lay those down for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. By the power of your Holy Spirit, God, rise up leadership in us, that we might work together, loving one another, forgiving one another, all to build your kingdom, God, to show people the glory that you have. Not that we're going to make you more glorious, but that we are just going to work together to reveal to the world that you are glorious. And you are an incredible good Father. Thank you for this group of people on the side of the mountain and for your word and for your gifts of grace. Amen.